The following program may contain content not suitable for all audiences. Successful Kickstarter, that's the important part. Yeah, that's the big part. <laughs> yeah, and I am so happy about that. I can't begin to tell you. This last week was huge for me because I finished school and finished the Kickstarter in the same week. I, oh, congrats. I have finished I my finished master's. School. I'm done. Nice. Yay. I'm just waiting for that piece of paper they supposedly eventually will send me, and I'm the, super stoked. The most expensive student loan piece bill? of paper? Yes. Damn. Yeah, the student loan. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck he, you, he Rich. He still has six months before he starts collecting that one. Welcome to Metagamers Anonymous, a program dedicated to tabletop role-playing games, mostly related material. My name is Eric. I'm Rich. I'm Joe. And I'm Vanessa. And this is episode number 290, 290. Get in the hey, ring. we didn't even practice the order. Yeah, well, and, you know, I yeah. think I think at some level we just know, right? No, it doesn't work that way. But you guys... It's okay. Now I organized all of our panels, so I remember what we're working later. <laughs> well, oh yeah, for the end of the show, we do the whole thing yes. again. Exactly. Well done. Um, I don't bother doing that shit. Absolutely not important. No, uh, I need myself in the center so I can just look at me the whole time. You fix it in post. You won't, but you could. You won't. <laughs> I like looking at you the whole time too, Joe. Um, so, well, yeah, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Kickstarter. We uh, we closed up the Kickstarter for TsunamiCon uh, at one hundred and four percent a goal. I mean, it was a fucking nail biter. Yeah, and uh, we had some really cool activity right at the end we had some people that were just determined to see us roll over the edge and we did um you know who you are i'm not gonna be you know lobbing names out there unless somebody tells me they want the recognition but dude thank you thank you thank you appreciate I it i don't know who you are but thank you thank you thank you thank you so con is a lot of fun and it's so worth it to try and you know get this community behind it and i feel like even though we struggled to get the money together, uh, you know, and we, obviously we accomplished it, which is great. But even though we struggled, you know, during the Kickstarter campaign, which is always its own thing, because you got that Venn diagram of, you know, attendees and interested parties and people who will fuck with Kickstarter. Um, right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, us Kickstarter addicts, it's a little different. You know, it's, it's, it's like, hmm, how much money have I spent this month? But Were gamers on Kickstarter, I don't get it. Yeah, it's not a I, thing. I but. might have just gotten one of my board games that I backed a year ago, and I'm super excited <laughs> to maybe play it soon. Just saying. I've <laughs> thought about like putting a, just a block on my web my web browser that won't let me go to Kickstarter because it would probably Dude, help. You think of all the money you'd save. You'd I be know. bored, but think of all the money you'd save. <laughs> 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 no, it's like I saw a meme that was like, you can. You can support the board gamers out there and not pack fifty back every single thing on Kickstarter and spend two thousand dollars on board games every month. The guy is like, "Have to have five hundred plus board games." I'm just like, since when? Um, That's not true. Uh, We run a game library, so we do need to have five hundred plus board games. That's the simple truth of the matter. I stand behind that, and I do everything I can to live up to that idiom. Um, We'll see. (laughs) <laughs> and you have a decent selection too just saying we try yeah. um i try to put some money into it every year i don't have that, that's gonna be it's gonna be slender this year so i'm not sure whether i'll have extra funds for shit like that and i mean that's a big deal and we could talk some of that i mean it gets in the weeds a little bit and it's kind of boring i'd imagine for you know your average congo it's not important but 
uh, everything got expensive. Everything got expensive this year. Right. But, but what I was going to say is, though, that despite the struggle, it felt like the community was really rallying. You know, there was a lot of support in, in the way people sharing information, in the way people talking about it, tagging other people. We did see quite a few backers and um, quite a few people that have bought in uh, since the Kickstarter as well, because you know, right now it's all open, guys. You can get onto our site at tsunamicon.org, follow the links, go buy your badge. Um, yeah. You can, if you're if you're a game master and you want to run some games, <clears throat> not really talking to anybody in the room, but you know. <laughs> If you'd like to run some games, feel free to list them. We have a registration available so you can submit games. You can't sign up for them yet. I always forget. It's funny the things that you just kind of take for granted that everybody knows how it works, you know. Uh, I, I got an email the other day from a gentleman who's like, I want to understand how I'm supposed to sign up for games because it doesn't look like I'm allowed to do that. Like, um, you are definitely allowed to do that in August. Uh, right now... Right. <laughs> Yeah, and, and we're talking the tail end of August. He's a VIG. It's like you, you get it, you get access to it a little bit earlier than other people. Uh, so be looking for that, and I'll we'll probably open that up usually, you know, around the end of August, last week of August, uh, for a week or two before we open up to anybody else. But we want to have a decent schedule of games on there before we open it up, because if we did it too early, then you guys, you know, who have the VIG tickets, would get on there, you'd start filling up your weekend, and then like. Three weeks later, it's like you may or may not notice there's games you'd be more interested in. Suddenly, everybody is ditching tables and going to other tables, and it gets confusing. Uh, so, you know, if we give it a little time to build up a schedule before we open it up, it, it serves everybody. And that's that's right. the goal right now. So definitely, sure. you know, if you want to run something, get it up there now. because I, say, I don't know what, but I'm going to commit now that I'll run at least something at this one. I just Oot. have to figure out what. I need to decide if I want to run anything. Just say, Vanessa, yeah. this is, uh, you know, you usually do something, don't you? Do you usually run yeah. something at the con? And they, uh, last time I ran three games. The, the t- two times before that, though, I'd signed up to run things and then no one ever showed up. Last year, last year I did great, though. I had full tables for all of my games. It was awesome. Nice. <laughs> I need to call Peter out again because he hasn't listed anything yet. Yeah. I'm sure he will. Every time I mention oh, yeah. him on the podcast for not having done stuff like that, he calls me to say, hey. And I just like getting phone you're, calls. You're, um, Your phone's probably <laughs> ringing right now. <laughs> so, you know, uh, but he's definitely going to run some stuff, obviously. He always does. He usually runs at least one game a day during the con, and yeah. it'll be always yeah. average rules. We don't have, I, I um, gosh, let's see. I don't necessarily know that we have any savage rules on the schedule right at the moment. Oh, I'm Weird. sure you will. <laughs> yeah. 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 It wasn't really a question, I guess. Huh? It's, it's, it's going to happen. See. Conan, I see Shadow Dark, multiple 5Es already listed. Yeah, but like as usual with our community, it's like we're not, n- none of the 5E games are like typical. They're not like standard D&D adventure types. They're not Adventures League. You know, the stuff people coming up with, uh, variations, gaming constructs. Um, I know that we've got some uh, some oddball games on there, like Genesis and um, uh, oh, uh James Fielder, uh, Pigeon is what he's called. He, he's with, he was with the, I don't think he, I don't remember if he came to the con. He was with um, the Evil Beagle group. Um, oh, yeah. When we had Sean Patrick Fannin at the con a few years back. And uh, I remember yeah. before the before the pandemic. And uh, just some of that crew. And uh, when we did the virtual cons, they were all involved in a lot of like the online stuff and the panels. And he, he, he decided right. to do a panel. 
and got that. I mean, he's going to run a couple of Prowlers and Paragons games. Um, we had to make a big deal out of that because he's he's that pretty was cool. a fun fun game when when Sean Patrick Fanning came in. It's uh, it, well, and and he's got his own scenarios. I think that that he's oh, written sure. for this. So I mean, um, he's an interesting dude. Very uh, prof- professorial. You know, very, he's a he's an academic. So uh, he takes like gaming theory and stuff to kind of different places. Um, so that'd be kind of fun. Um, hoping we see a bunch of like board game stuff show up on the schedule. I know a lot of times we don't see that stuff show up early. Um, I know Greg has listed a couple of items uh, to kind of get that rolling. But if you are if you are a board game aficionado and you would like to uh, share something with people, you know, demo something at the con, particularly if you're a herald with you know the envoy people. Definitely uh, get in there and put that on the schedule. All the things. Yeah, I'm looking at that Prowlers and Paragons tornado season right now, and that sounds amazing. Yeah, that looks pretty cool. <laughs> so, there you go. Some of these I don't even know anything about them yet. The Like you said, the Shadow uh, shadow Dark. Yeah. I've got a couple of those on here, I think. Um, and I assume the Genesis stuff is run by Nick. Yeah. Always brings or to have games. a lot of Savage World stuff and drive through. <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know the layout of the hotel we're going to be at, but is there a private room with no windows? Because if so, I was going to request another 10 candles game. Hmm. Nice. I'm okay with that. <laughs> if you play late enough at night, the windows don't matter. There you go. I would 100% run 10 Candles if we could find a way to make it work, because 10 Candles is super fun to run. I you know, enjoy that a lot. It was amazing to play. I think we ran that again a, just a few weeks ago. There's a way we could do it. Did you? Uh, yeah. I, I think there's a way we could do it. I Especially the fun thing about doing the con is you might be able to get a full table. You oh, know? yeah. Right. Um, oh, yeah. There's that boardroom that they have uh, in the back hallway at the Holiday Inn. That I managed to get access to last time. It's kind of a weird setup with them as to whether or not I can use it. It might depend on whether or not anybody else has need of it for anything that weekend. Um, if I get enough people staying at the hotel and hit everybody, then they <laughs> end up throwing it in anyway. If I get enough people, but I'm not, I don't know what that number is. Um, always, always consider doing that. It would also matter if they would be okay with candles because. It's ten candles. Better to right. ask uh, forgiveness than permission. Is that right? <laughs> as long as it doesn't no. set off the no. fire. I don't want to get kicked out. Is the thing <laughs> right? I don't. And I don't, I don't know who is in here with candles. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I have, have no, some anxiety. I have when no you record play 10 of that. Lights. I say, how do you play off in the game when the fire suppression puts out your candles? <laughs> everybody, well, everybody, everybody dies. dies. <laughs> <laughs> that did not work the way we thought it was going to, guys. Yeah, yeah part of know. the rules in Ten Candles. If the candles go out for any reason, they're out. <laughs> there, I mean, it just there's always some games that obviously would work better in a more controlled environment. <laughs> Most right. of them yeah. are horror. <laughs> yes. Dread is another good example. <laughs> it's like I need to figure out how to run Dread because Dread would also be fun. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You do need to figure Dread, out how to run Dread. Dread is fun. Because I have a Jenga tower, I'm halfway there. I just need to figure out the rules. It's not. I want to get one of those game. like. Oh, I want to get one of those yard sets of Jenga that are made like with two by fours and do that right in the middle of the car. Oh, dude, this looks so dangerous. <laughs> it's <is> so awesome. <laughs> that would be great, and I love that idea. No children shorter than the tower allowed anywhere near it. 
Yeah. Got to get hard hats for everyone. <laughs> get like a roped off area. We have we have friends shorter than the tower. <laughs> there is that. There's You're that. not wrong. <laughs> not an issue. So uh, I've, I've I've never run into that problem before. So Tsunami Con is happening October 20th through 22nd this year, the Holiday Inn um, at uh, Rock Kellogg and Rock in Wichita. Uh, definitely come out and spend the weekend with us. We have a lot of gaming going on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, we, like we've been talking, we have a schedule online. You can get in on and, uh, you know, when it opens up, you can kind of plan your weekend out in advance, register for games. Tickets are available right now. Go to tsunamicon.org and click on get your badge. And it'll take you where you need to go and, uh, get your badge sorted out for that weekend. There's still some VIGs left, actually. I've got, I, I haven't sold out of them entirely. So, uh, that's, that's a fun ticket. Read about that. Get VIG, totally worth. It's worth 100% it. 100 endorse. Yeah, I like you. Says the room full of VIGs. Right, <laughs> right. It's worth it. That's why I keep getting. Although on it. the other hand, we do know. Yes, yeah, yeah. The first, the first year, I did not have VIG. I one of my friends did, and I have had one every year since. Yep, same. I have had a VIG every year. Also happy to say. <laughs> also happy to say, vendor hall is hacked that's i'm awesome. already just that's about sold awesome. out the inventory i have set up if i can open up some more booths i might i try to keep it from being crazy because i don't like having i don't like giving having having the money split too many different ways i like keeping the vendor hall kind of under control so that you know the vendors have a chance to actually make a buck right 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 uh alicia's gonna have a booth again she bought a booth uh, she'll be out front with jonica in the lobby um right beside the cool, tea cool. booth so that'd be cool that's gonna be a lot of tea purchased from her. Oh yeah, well, and, and dice. It goes it, both ways. It's kind of right. interesting too that <laughs> I see them two just trading dice for tea. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Let's not put that in anybody's head just yet. It's already there, man. You know it. Yeah. Oh, you're the one who put them next to each other. It's fine. It'll be fine. It's fine. I just don't want. I just don't want to hear complaints when nobody makes any money. You know. Right. <laughs> That is the way it works. I mean, we've been vendors at enough events that your primary custom is always the other vendors at the events. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because they're they're, cause they're hanging out around you all weekend. I think at last year's event, it was about the same $50 bill just kind of moved around from each <laughs> vendor to the next to the next, and it just worked its way through the whole hall. Um, and a, a lot of returning vendors this year, which always makes me happy, makes me feel like they're Yay. you know really interested Yay. in what we do and... Are, are definitely getting their money's worth out of it and the time and energy makes it worth it. I see Coventry's back. Yep. I love her stuff. I have too many of her glasses. Uh, yeah, that's easy to do. Uh, warehouse. I don't think that's true. Warehouse in Thornwood. Um, <laughs> I think you could have many more of her glasses. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking she has about, more, sir? She has more designs from the Adventure Zone that I don't have yet, so I need to fix that. Big sponsor this year, uh, Talon Games. New to new to us this year, and uh, they're from the area. They produce a mech tabletop game called CAV Strike Operations, and the associated miniature figures with it and stuff. And they got a big two oh, cool. two booth area on the along the wall one side. So nice. I'm expecting some cool kind of demos and setups over there. And I um, I hope people pay some attention to that. We've had a little more interest in the miniature stuff this you know last year we had. Uh, some BattleTech stuff and like Middle Earth role playing, our Middle Earth uh, strategy game, all that stuff up there. Uh, you know, quite a bit more more than we'd been seen in a while, right. and uh, so that that would be exciting. And they're uh, they're going to be their corporate sponsor for us this year, along with their friends at the borough, which is exciting. 
And then, um, uh, like you said, uh, Dragon Claw is going to be back. Coventry's back. Um, Hippo Hearts and Crafts. Jamie's back with her uh, crochet stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, always excited to see her get excited. Oh about yeah, her those. stuff is good. Uh, we're, we're I have one of her dice bags. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I have a Kraken dice bag from her. Wolf and Turtle are back this year. Then we have a bunch of new ones. Um, Airship Gypsies Gold is actually a, a returning vendor. They do steampunk stuff. They were at uh, the last time. The only time they've been with us before was at the Holiday Inn in 2015. So I thought that was kind of apropos. <laughs> They just actually live at that hotel, so they're like, well, you're coming back. I might as well be down there. <laughs> and several new uh, new vendors. So I, I, I'm excited to see how it goes. So, okay, enough enough of that gay banter. How's everybody's uh, gaming going? I mean, it's been so hard to keep a schedule going lately. I wonder why. Yeah. Right? <sighs> I, I've been trying to get a game started, and I kind of have two people. I have one and a half people. Hmm. <laughs> But you've been talking about it. Am I the one or the half? You're the one. (laughs) (laughs) Always good to know where you land, right? Because if I could get a different two people, I could probably run it on the weekends because then the half would be not scheduling, not worry about dropping out. Scheduling problems. Yeah, Yeah. I get it. Yeah, we were talking on. Oh, am I? But when I only have two and one of them can't be on the weekends. Oh, now if you're if you're (laughs) in a halfway there, then I've got two and a half or. Right. One and two halves, or I something got a like little that. more time than I did. I, I don't know what happened. It's like, in fact, this weekend would have been that 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 weekend, right? Because the the previous weekend was like the first weekend where I had just like no obligations for the weekend, and I had intentionally yeah. taken it off work. So I was kind of like, what do I the fuck do I do with myself? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> I've, I've done that. We'd had to I've cancel our Saturday game, as I recall. I think I, it's like. It's, ah, it's like I did game I didn't prep plan and and editing. Right? I didn't plan anything this morning, and I'm like sitting here. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have just completely wasted this way day stay away. And the only thing I'm going to end up doing today is my podcast. That's insane. I can't believe I've just wasted the whole day again. I look at the clock. It's ten o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I've only been up since five. Apparently, I still have time to make something of the day. See, my thing is, is I have to have things planned over the course of a day. Otherwise, I will think that I have it wasted. Even though I do need days to relax at some point in my life. I don't like taking days to relax because then I'm not productive. And not productive is a problem. I've been doing things, but I still feel like I'm wasting all my time. Because I've been playing the the new Zelda game. Mm. I haven't played the new one yet. I'm at around, I think I just crossed the 900 mark of the thousand Korok seeds that I need to collect. Holy oh, wow. And yeah, I'm, I think I'm over 200 hours into the game at this point. I need there to get go. that one still. I really do. Our household is it, inundated in Diablo right now because the Diablo 4 dropped. And so uh, the kid and his wife, Julie, are heavy into Diablo. So they got a copy and Jonica and Miss Nira have a copy. So the Xboxes are all busy, and all four of them are playing together, which is, I mean, a blast for them, I'm sure. But it means I don't see cool. them much. When you first say, started saying that, when you said the kid yeah. and his wife, at first when you said the kid, I was thinking Gabriel, and I'm like, no, wait no, a minute. Not that kid. <laughs> no, the kid. Um, I have a wife yeah. yet. From uh, Expo Street. If you, if you, don't, if yeah. you don't listen to Exposition Street, you may not really know him because he doesn't uh, show up on Metagamers very much, but. Um, yeah, he, uh, and, and he and he and Julia are getting ready to move. They're working on it. So they needed their vehicle. We had borrowed it from them last year. 
um, when uh, Miss Jonica moved up to Colorado ahead of me and needed a car to get to and from work. Uh, at the time, Julie had been dealing with uh, she, she's been dealing with some major health issues for a while, and uh, right. she was unable to drive. So at the time, it was very much, hey, you know, I'm not using it. Here, take this. And then it sat. <laughs> so finally, we were like, okay, uh, we need to get this back to them. They need it now. So this weekend, it was suddenly a weekend I thought I was going to have available. Our Saturday game, our Saturday game was getting canceled anyway because. Um, one of our one of our players um, had uh, had to go out of town for business, and he was going to be leaving a day earlier than he expected to. So I was like, you know what, screw it. Uh, we'll we'll just we'll go up. So we drove down to. We live in Colorado Springs. We drove to Manhattan, Kansas, yesterday, and then um, we got to spend a few hours hanging out with um, those those two fun peoples. And then Jonica and I hopped a train about midnight, midnight 30, and made our way back. And apparently there were like tornado watches and warnings and shit going on in the state yeah. last oh, night. Oh, shit. And, um, I think it was mostly out west, so right where you were going. Lots of delays. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Uh, Our train rolled into Colorado, or rolled into Trinidad, a couple hours south of us, which is where the station, nearest station is, three and a half hours late. Oof. And, Holy and it was already a 10-hour ride. So, you know. That's a lot of delay for crossing only one state. <sighs> yeah. But you're used to not staying on the rails, so. Uh, you're funny. Uh, uh, you're, funny joke, huh? you're funny guy. You're funny guy. You know, um, that's uh, always, always a hot topic. And I was reading again another um, uh, discussion online uh, just uh, this morning. Where somewhere in the middle of the discussion about uh, the game master looking for advice about how they're handling a thing, you know, like like you see, which I I love seeing that and being able to help contribute where I can, um, you know, share the wisdom of my years, whatever. And uh, <laughs> well, there are many many years. Well, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that respond to this shit that are just doing it to respond or are just being mean because it's right. the internet. Yeah, it's the internet. You know, That's how that works. Yeah. My favorite responses are things like, you know, well, you know, you shouldn't be doing that in the first place. Well, that's really fucking helpful. That doesn't <laughs> help anything. You know, it, not to mention the way they're running their game and the way you run your game may just be entirely different. Weird. Um, well, well you, ha you have to game the way I do. Otherwise, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no. Our style of gaming in our group, um, groups, you know, but the style of gaming that I, I sit at the helm of and consequently see variations of at my table, you know, depending on the players, you know, your, your August selves and whoever you're cohabiting with, the, uh, th that experience is different than the way a lot of people game, I think. Yeah. You know, um, I couldn't run a truly sandbox game to save my life unless a player group sat down and planned it for me. Nope. Because nobody wants to fucking do that. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't, I, we like stories. And so, I mean, it is incumbent on me if I'm running the game to come up with some story and put it out the there. The stories that I come up with, it doesn't matter what direction the players go, it's all going to go the same direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what, yeah. The story I was writing, I, I made room for options and branches. But I had to build a storyline or else I knew it wouldn't be compelling. And then yeah. I had to continue on with where can I go with stories beyond this? And I don't think I'm, it's a failing, you know, of, of a group to, to want that. I mean, our, um, you were going to say something, Joe? I didn't mean to. Oh, I was just say, I'm like, especially when I'm doing one shots at things like Tsunami Con. Right. It's even more so on the rails. I'll be like, 
yeah. yeah, you're you're in this cave and you see a, a door to your like a tunnel to your right, tunnel to your left. Little do you know they go to the same room because that's the next room on my list. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. the bad thing would be saying it's not saying no, you can't do this creative way to get around fighting the bugbear. So the bad thing would be just saying, no, you are absolutely going to fight this bugbear because that's the next thing written down here. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm, I love when if they like, come up with creative, creative ways around way to it. to get around it, then that's what we're doing. Well, One of yeah. my favorite things to do is come up with puzzles without solutions to see what people come up with. So I can't <laughs> yes. say much. That's crazy. Talk. I love that. No, <laughs> would this, like, would this work? Yes, yes, it would. Now, <laughs> yours that is the other the other half of that equation, right? You can come up with the puzzles without the solutions as long as you are the game master who is interested in supporting those solutions. Oh yeah, you know you don't you want to do shut something cool to get around it. Fantastic! Yeah. I support this a hundred percent. Well, sometimes you still got to be willing to do something lame to get around it. I mean, just whatever it is yeah. that the party is yeah. going to do, that's what's going to happen. Um, yeah, I've, I've been following the three clue rule where I give three clues mm-hmm. for the exact same thing, and then I still have a fourth thing, which is a nudge them in the right direction <laughs> backup plan. <laughs> and the fifth is the giant neon sign. <laughs> that, this thing, go here, do this. There's challenges <laughs> when you develop, if you develop any complexity to a plot, there's challenges to making it work. And maintaining a strong level of player agency. Right. Challenges are absolutely worth all the attention you can give them. Oh, yeah. You know, your players have to have agency. They have to feel ownership of their their characters, their role in the story. But I find that if you have players who are also interested in engaging with story, who want that, it makes the game so much more fun for everybody involved. And it isn't about showing off for me. I'm not showboating as a game master. I'm just creating options. I'm creating content and giving the players the opportunity to determine how to engage with that. Uh, But if they don't, that's fine. You know, the only thing that's a failing is if by don't means they do nothing. Yeah. Right. Because there are sometimes those groups who just feel uninspired or have no sense of direction. You know, if you don't give them something to lead them by the nose a little bit, they sit there and kind of like, you know, draw circles in the sand. Yeah. I've had days like that where I just couldn't. (laughs) Right. That's life. (laughs) Yep. But I've definitely had that party where I'm like, all right, you guys are in the bar and there's these people at this table and you see those at this and this is going on. This is going on. What do you do? I get a drink and I sit in the corner to see what happens. Yeah. And that's, that is the idiom. You have to understand the distinction. If your players are where you want to see what happens, people, then they want something to happen. Yeah. And whether or not you feel like that's your job as the game master, it's going to make it more fun. If you have ideas, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to lead anybody around. Oh gosh. Complex plot structures can take a lot of work. They can be improvised. If you're good at that kind of shit. Not everybody is. If you think you are, you no. still may not be. <laughs> That's fine for you to try it anyway. <laughs> there's there's no rule against that. Uh, but you definitely want to be cognizant of what's going to make the game more enjoyable for everybody. And I think that's the the one rule that makes it easy to do whatever needs to be done. So I have run some fairly sandboxy campaigns before where my goal has been to provide um, broad story strokes and uh, plots going on in the background and let the let the PCs decide how to engage that. If you have PCs who have goals, 
that can work very well. Yeah. You know, and oh, yeah. I think that's something that yeah. you, you want to kind of approach up front. A lot of times when I'm starting a campaign, that session zero or that plot pitch period at the beginning of the campaign is the opportunity to have those conversations. Say, you know, uh, this game is going to be sandboxy. You guys, I would, I would, I think everybody will enjoy it more if you create characters who have some personal goals. Let's kind of bake that into their backstories or, you know, you know, create, create some motivations that we can all work with together to make it fun. Um, yeah. You know. And we see a little bit of it. We see a little bit, and it works. The our Monday night game that Joe uh, plays in is has yeah. gotten uh, has gotten both ways. You know, there have been times when the rails have just kind of come out like you know the claws of a nearby kitten, and yet right. there's a lot going on right now that's very much. I mean, it literally got to the point um, a few months ago where it's, what are you gonna do? <laughs> Yeah. Balls in your court, guys. But by this point, they had had enough going on in the world. Their characters had enough exposure to events and um, ideas. Say, that, ga- yeah. that game is, what do you do? Oh, well, I don't know. Who's the next to kill themselves? <sighs> God, what a mess. <sighs> hey, it's only happened twice for the four character. Oh, so, man. So here's a, a f- kind of a fun question I kind of wonder about. I am not, as a fan, if, if you're going to distill it down to things like this, a fan of um, PvP. That doesn't mean it doesn't have its place, and it doesn't mean it's uh, appropriate necessarily to limit or eliminate it. What that means for me, as a game master most of the time, is I want to create stories in which everyone has the opportunity to cooperatively engage with the story. Mm-hmm. That requires some buy-in from players. Now, we don't have to have a lot of conversation about this because it's become the standard approach for us. Uh, when, I, you know, when, when I see people you know, writing up characters for a game, they talk about the characters. You guys talk about the characters. You kind of bring <laughs> stuff in and you adapt. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean there is an inter-party conflict occasionally. That's fine. There, there is every once in a while. It's normally not like, I want to kill you. It's, you're going to do it my way, darn it. Right. No, it's we like have regular coworkers <laughs> stuff. We have Squelch, for example, in the Monday night game. I don't understand how we haven't had a lot more infighting. Right. <laughs> but it's a really great example because Alicia is obviously, you know, ready and willing to walk that line and have fun with it. But everybody at that table is interested in everybody having fun. Yeah. There's, there's no one now, sitting there going, I'm going to pull one over. I'm so tired of Jonica and her bullshit. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> I do know, at least for Alicia, like in her home games and her games at the borough, she doesn't allow PvP because she's had numerous bad experiences at the public at playing games at the borough. So she's where, expressly brings that up. Yeah. So it is very expressly for PvP is not allowed in our games. Understandable. I think some she's groups had ones need that. Where, yeah. Because yeah. she's had games where someone's like, well, I'm going to take charge. And when everyone goes, no, he's like, well, then I'm just going to start killing you until you listen. I would say, and if it's not fun for everybody at the table, then it's not fun. Like, you talk about that, PvP. And if I was running, like, a paranoia game where there's literally a mechanism to have your character come back as a reset every time inter-party killing happens, that's part of the game. I'm right. all in. And it's fun for everybody because that's part of how you do things and you're supposed to kill each other. And then when they come back, bygones are bygones and you're on trying to do some ridiculous mission that the computer gave you that nobody really knows 
for sure what they're supposed to be doing anyway. But the buy-in right. is there. That's that's part of the structure of the game. Like you it's said. part of the structure yeah. of the game, yeah. But in a game where that's not the situation, if you're just going to kill my character because you don't like the way I'm playing the game, that takes all the fun out for me. Yeah. There was a... Um, a thread I was reading on a forum that was talking about um, having started a new game uh, recently, and and a lot of these a lot of these questions come from uh, relatively inexperienced game masters, and that mm-hmm. was the case here. Uh, and they had a group, four or five players, and had a mix of alignments, and had a mix of um, classes that were a strict adherence to their values. Like they had a paladin in the group, they had a warlock in the group, I think, you know, stuff like that, you know, yeah. Uh, cleric, you know, it is not a huge consideration for me nowadays. It isn't a big issue. I don't make a big issue of it, but I remember for a lot of my gaming career trying to reinforce a policy of, I'm not necessarily saying we can't have conflict, but let's not have a bunch of diametrically opposed alignments in the party. Right. Yes. You know, because D&D has always used alignment as part of its system. Um, When you you have that chaotic, when you have that chaotic evil character, don't put him in a party with a lawful good paladin. It just isn't, it's, it's, it's a, it's a powder cake right out of the gate, right? It's, it's, it's intended to boil over at some point. And if it doesn't, somebody's not getting out of the character, right? Yeah. Or, you know, they're, they're they're compromising or they're uninterested or they're not engaging or, you know, um, or they just, you know, are, are kind of like, I don't want to ruin it for anybody else. So I'm just going to go along and then their character's role is, their ethos is meaningless. Right. Um, and I've seen that. I've seen that in groups. You know, we used to have that when I was younger. Groups that had mixes of alignments, and you'd have like the one guy who everybody, except for the cleric in the party, the good cleric in the party, everybody else realized that the necromancer was a wicked guy. That guy just kept making excuses for his BS because they were childhood friends or whatever. Um, you know, it's like ah, it's not really evil. It's just creepy. You know, it's just weird. Whatever. Yeah. It's like, well, he's you know, <laughs> animating the dead and shit. I guess you, your definitions are what they are, hey. sir. Well, I haven't actually seen him do it. I mean, there is a line for that, though. If a character hasn't seen them do evil acts, he's not necessarily going to think they're an evil character yeah. unless they have detect evil. And or as long like as that. that is fun for everybody, exactly. You know, because if, if all the players involved are buying into yeah. that, it's not a big deal. The the funniest part of that was that the character ended up that that necromancer ended up showing up as an NPC in another campaign later, while the players, some of the players in that other group, including the guy who played the cleric were at the table with different characters, of course, different campaign. Mm-hmm. And the other parties responds, respond to this guy showing up with a clear understanding of what he's about. <laughs> and Brian, right. who plays in our War of the Burning Sky game on Saturdays, looks mm-hmm. uh-huh. looks at Jimmy, the guy playing the clerk, and says, or the play the clerk in the other game, and says, let me get this straight. You've known Necros over there for five minutes, and you know that he's evil. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you brian <laughs> <laughs> right yeah so that became the ongoing jokes like but i mean you can do that you can get away with it as long as that buy-in is fun and you, you want that for your party you want that for your story but if like in the situation this guy was describing it wasn't even about pvp like killing each other or fighting in this case it was uh, bad guys did something that was unforgivably bad. The paladin had been trying to ignore it or not notice it and then couldn't avoid noticing it and decided to punish them by ratting them out to the authorities. GM didn't oh. seem to know what else to do. Okay, we're going to arrest the bad guys and 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are other ways the GM could have handled it. It's like, you know, <laughs> you could have had it to where the local authorities were like, oh, we don't care about that shit. You know, it's like, or, or right. you know, you could have had it to where they tried to arrest them and it didn't exactly work out the way they wanted. You know, you could have done a number of things. <laughs> but the authorities, the authorities are, pay them for the arrest. I say the authorities are corrupt and they just. Right. But ultimately, it, the, the bad it people. created a schism there that isn't going to go away at that point. Right. Yeah. You know, and then that's that's where the question is like, what should I do? Should I retcon all this? So, I mean, I think it's an interesting question. Yeah. You know, it, it isn't about it's not about PvP that you that you plan for or against. Like where, like you said, with Alicia's games where she has gotten to that point where she has to say on the way in the door, by the way, we don't work against each other. Where this right. is a cooperative unit, that's what we're here to play. You guys are heroes, all working together. I've yeah. had other, I've seen other game masters who are very much like, well, you're supposed to be playing heroes if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so, in my opinion, you shouldn't be playing evil characters. So you're not going to play them in my campaign. I don't have a lot of people coming to me as a general rule going, boy, I really want to play a bad guy. <laughs> right. I can't say too much in my Saturday game. I just built a cohort that's lawful evil. I'm sure. It depends you on what you think about. <laughs> You, hobos too. Yeah, right. I, I, I see. I, the things you talk about that you do in your husband's games, though, Vanessa, are very different than anything I see out of you in our games. That's fair. And I feel like that's intentional. <laughs> I don't know if you're that game has been going him. on for years. <laughs> that's fair. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you also know the group that you're dealing with. Yeah. Mm. And I will say, I've played the bad guy in a couple one shots that were amazing. It was both. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Like, the Jim Pinto GM list games. Uh-huh. I've played two of them, and somehow both times I was the bad guy. There have been situations in which we've had uh, players doing that as a specific arc, whether it's in a one shot or even a short stint in a campaign. Um, famously, uh, Jason and I like to talk about it sometimes uh, because it was kind of a hard hitting experience for him. But there was uh, the first time I ran the War of the Burning Sky campaign many years ago. Um, he played, uh, there was a, a kid played a character, um, who was like the leader of the party. He was a cleric. He was, he was a very intense character. He had a lot of backstory and stuff that was worked into the campaign. And then kid had to move away. He would away suddenly. So he had to, we had to write him out of the game and I wanted his character because he had such an influence on stuff in the world. I wanted his character to be that kind of guy who was still out there. They didn't exactly know what happened to him. You know, there were signs of what happened to him, but their investigation went kind of nowhere. They had to decide how to proceed with their mission, blah, blah, blah. When things changed and he came back a few months later, um, moved back, we wanted to get him back into the game. I wanted to create it, to take this opportunity to create some story that I otherwise wouldn't have the chance to do. Because his character, um, Yoshua, his dad was a villain. He wasn't one of the big campaign villains. He just wasn't a good guy. And he had his own motives that worked kind of contrary to somewhat of the, some of the other factions involved in the campaign. It's like, oh, this is a kind of a cool opportunity. He's going to be the one who is responsible for the kidnapping. And he has a, a job that he's going to have his son do because his son owes him as part of the backstory. So this is a way to kind of pay off that debt. He won't do anything outright evil, but of course, his dad, knowing this, outfits him with a party of helpers who are. Right. So then I hand out evil characters I've pre-written up to the other players and say, okay, for the next four or five sessions, we're going to be playing Yoshua's story instead of your normal campaign. And I wrote these up and wrote little background stuff, and I made them pretty vile. Right. That's awesome. And, and players dealt with that in different ways. Some of them went for the PvP element in there, too. They were looking for opportunities to betray each other. Um, or to get you know, personal power, personal gain out of the situation. 
Um, others like Jason was kind of disturbed by some of the stuff I put in his character's backstory and uh, personal motives to the point where it's like he would never play a character that's like this because it like would give him nightmares. Right. It wasn't exactly catharsis. I mean, these players, I wasn't wanting these players to, you know, have an evil character experience. That wasn't the point. Basically, I was like, it's kind of like, you know, you're having everybody play DM for a little bit. You know, here, play some NPCs for me. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, just, it's just for the fun of it. I and mean, I've done that all kinds of times occasionally over the years of players, you know, here, here, do this for me. And like, in this scene, you, you, this guy, you know. My very first time I DM'd, it was just a two session insert into alicia's game where everyone were playing evil bugbears <laughs> wait a minute how, how's that an insert into the existing game um, so this was also alicia's first game so she was still new and of course because she's insane like oh i have never played fifth edition i've played like six months of 3.5 i'm gonna create my own world and my own story and do it all like you do so <laughs> screw it she's she's good at what she does no doubt about yeah. it but yeah. a few months in, she needed a, a little bit of a break. So we were, our party was at a midwinter festival. And all of a sudden, we hear yelling and screaming, and everyone starts running and panicking. And that's where she ended the session. <laughs> nice. And every, everyone knew that when she ended, like the next couple weeks, I was going to run something just to give her a break. Well, I had all these characters created of they were all bugbears. And it started with the bugbear leader telling them, you need to get into that city and at midwinter kill the Baron and his wife. <laughs> so it was, it was relatively unrelated to what the party's aims were. They just did the same right. place at the same time. It, well, it and affected what was, the world. Yeah. And what was really awesome is like a month beforehand, she told all the players, Hey, I need a copy of your character sheet so I can do some planning because we had this set up. So, so when nobody the expected bears, this. So no one expected that this was in game. So when they get to, you know, it took like two sessions and they're traveling, they have to get into the city and they have a few encounters. They end up and, you know, all of a sudden there's yelling and screaming because these bugbears are flooding into the middle of the midwinters festival and going for the Baron and Baroness. Well, this party of adventurers <laughs> steps out in front of them. And I had everyone's actual character sheet. And they got to fight themselves. And it was built as a TPK. They, the bugbears were way low, like one or two levels lower than their actual character. So it would have been really unlikely that they would have done any serious damage to the party. Yeah. Now, what worked out, this was right when the uh, Bladesinger was coming out in 5th edition. And one of our players had told her, you know, if my character happened to die, I wouldn't mind because I really want to play this new class. So she told me, you know, if you can, kill him. <laughs> and... Oh, it was even better. I mean, yes, I technically did fudge one roll. Oh, but, but I won't tell he, he killed <laughs> him as a bugbear killed his own character. <laughs> I'd say. And the only fudged roll is when his character was down. I rolled was rolling death saves and I rolled the first one fail. And I knew she had told me if you can kill him, kill him. So I come to back to his turn. And I roll the second death save and fail. But I said I crit failed just right. because it was obvious it that this encounter was almost over. Yeah. So his so his character right there died by hit by him as the bugbear. That's bear. very dramatic. I like that. Oh yeah. And then the party wipes out the rest of these bugbears. And I get up and I move back to my normal seat. And Alicia moves to back to the DM's position and goes, All right, you just killed a bunch of bugbears in the middle of the midwinter midwinter, midwinter festival. Now what do you do? <laughs> nice. 
That's awesome. So, Vanessa, you indicated, um, and you've commented on this before, your character in in your um, in uh, Justin's games, that you play a character who works, um, if not contrary to the party, you have your own agenda. Yeah. And I, I get the impression that you actually relish pulling shit over on the other people at the table. A little bit, yeah. Is that to join the thieves guild? I had to steal a book from one of the other party members, and they just happened to not know that I stole it uh-huh. because I used someone else to do it. That's cool. That's clever. Nice. Oh, uh, that and that isn't. I, I yeah. I don't think that's too egregious. You know, no. a theft of an I item. I didn't even notice yeah. until after that character died, and I pulled him aside. I'm like, hey, by the way, I stole your shit. Back in our first edition <laughs> days. There was a lot more of that kind of shit kind of going on at the table when I was younger and didn't necessarily know how to moderate shit like this to see if it was, to keep to keep from being an issue, and it would create bad blood sometimes, um, and sometimes it would uh, it would outright end the game. You know, somebody turns against the party and does it in a dramatic way, like backstab somebody or some shit unexpectedly when you all think you're on the same page. For that game, I'm still working with the party, but working with the party is allowing me to travel a lot and make a lot of alliances with a bunch of people to make a marketing empire that may or may not be doing things under the table. So in those cases, um, are you would you be working independently, though? Everybody doesn't know what's going on with your character. No, not everybody You're knows keeping what's going it on a with secret. my character. They they know they know part of it. They know enough of it to know, hey, I'm making allegiances with people. I'm part of a a couple of different guilds. They didn't know about Thieves Guild for Is two your years. goal to have this shit come out in game some at some oh, yeah. point? Okay. Oh yeah, it can come out in game. I'd if they figure out what I'm doing, more power to them. But they don't know all the details. So there have been a few times where I've been I've had scenarios where players just outright know a thing that the other people involved don't. Yeah. Sometimes I, I, I try to do that in very clever ways or ways that uh are very dramatic, like when in the Zeitgeist game, when Brick was replaced by his twin brother for a while, um, <laughs> J- Jason played the twin brother, and he very intentionally played him differently. Now, the <laughs> twin was trying to pretend to be Brick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But his knowledge of them was kind of limited because they hadn't grown up together or anything. They had just found out about each other, and they were on opposite mm-hmm. sides of this you know, larger scheme. So when he replaced him for the goals that that were kind of baked into what his character was supposed to try to accomplish here, Mm -hmm. Jason was playing him very much with this sort of like, there are going to be behavioral cues that are intended Mm -hmm. to give them the impression that something is up. But because everybody is just players at the table and some people have off nights and we're all on the same side and the assumption, the worst it got was you get somebody going like, well, Jason's just not on his A game right now. Right. <sighs> oh my god! He's like no, he's that, knocking it out of the park it right took now. Him like You're six missing it. Weeks of playing this guy, and I felt he, he so bad. He made <laughs> three key differences on that too. <sighs> but yeah, but I mean, you also get that where somebody's acting weird, but you're like, you don't realize until afterwards when you think back, you're like, oh. No, they have been weird for that last six weeks, and this new information yeah. I just received let me un- now I get what I. Now was- that was I- fun. That was fun because yeah. it wasn't at anybody's expense, and I yeah, think exactly. that's why it works. It isn't really hiding stuff and making stuff you know personal. It isn't necessarily a PvP activity, but it is if it's at somebody else's expense. It will be. I, I another yeah. example I had was. 
um, years ago in one of my major campaigns, I had a P a player who had a, a character, a much beloved character of his, um, they had gotten to intermediate to high level died dramatically in battle. Um, Chris came up to me afterwards, said, you know what? I know you might be tempted to, cause, cause we talked about story stuff that could happen with it. That would kind of bring him back into play. Something like this happened because of how important he was to a certain element of the plot. Um, he said, let's not do that immediately though. I'd like to try something else. If I could, I want to play a spy for the bad guy. And I want to see how long it takes the group to figure it out. And I was a fucking moron and said, Sure, that sounds like fun. Oh, no. Now, <laughs> again, the rules I gave him included occasionally doing things at least once a session that would have the opportunity to out him. Right. I didn't want Chris to work to where he was trying to fleece everybody. But because that was the, ultimately the only real goal of the experiment, everybody did take it personally when they figured it out. And when they figured it out was wow. when... He did, you know, betray everybody in a very dramatic way that hurt the party. Right. So everybody felt victimized. And I could have handled it so many better ways. And honestly, there's a very good chance if I was going to do that nowadays, I would never do it in a way that was intended to pull the wall over the the player's eyes. I'd be far more inclined to to tell everybody what's going on. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I like having a character that has a secret that even at the party doesn't know, I, but I never fine, at the party's, right. ex, but never at the party's expense. Yeah. Right. In, in my current Friday game with Alicia, I'm, I'm playing a changing, but at the beginning, like, and it's part of his character when he's in town, he looks like a herring gong <laughs> and the party, <laughs> the entire game takes place in the Feywild. Wait a minute. A changeling that pretends to be a rabbit guy. Oh, in the Feywild. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. So we're, but we, it started in town. So that when they first met me, I was a bunny and I gave a fake, I have a whole fake backstory for him and fake name and all nice. that. And That's awesome. it was, they never figured it out until we left town and I suddenly changed into a changeling. And I was like, <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> and what was great was then they started looking back at the hints that I had been dropping and that we had put into the thing that they completely missed. So it's just a lot of fun at that point. I mean, you might still have the occasional player who feel but hurt about something like that. You can't help mm. it. You know, know your players now, if you can, you know. What's hilarious is, I mean, the players are all fine. I mean, the other characters also have secrets. Some of them right. have come out, some haven't. It's just part of that game. But what was great is this, the, the rest of the party was so uninquisitive, even when they knew that I had this, like I told them like, yeah, well, when I'm in town, I look like that because in the world, changelings are super persecuted and all that. So I go in town looking like that under a false name. Yeah. Still to this day, we've been playing for like, I don't know, a year or so. No one has asked me what my real name is. That's funny. I full on said, this is a false name and a fake backstory. They still don't know my actual backstory. (laughs) When I was playing Shadowrun games regularly, (laughs) pre-COVID, I had a, a character that my character failed some sort of save and got possessed by a spirit. So the, the DM that was running the game pulled me off to the side. Hey, just so you know, they don't know how to be human. So fun. please roleplay that and make sure that there's some sort of hint that you're not exactly you while this is going on. So did they, did they my character... On? They didn't catch on until after the spirit left, because I, like, I didn't bathe, like my character didn't bathe, they were just absolutely horridly disgusting, they'd been wearing the same clothes for weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, and then the, the spirit left, because they they completed something that allowed the spirit to leave my body, and I came back, I was like, what the 
is going on here? <laughs> Where am I? How how did nobody notice? <laughs> The I don't know, I'm because in. I was really descriptive <laughs> about, like, when people would ask, hey, can you meet us here? And I'd be like, how do you get there? Be like, oh, you just need to get a taxi. Okay, how do I do that? You see, so you were trying, obviously. Oh, yeah, I was yeah. trying Brilliant to hint that something was going on, and just they just did not pick up on yep. it. Yeah, when, when Jason was doing it with Brick's brother, he just, like, as the sessions were on, he just got increasingly belligerent about doing stuff that was intentionally a break of character for what people should have known of Brick. And right. again, because they were more inclined to be forgiving, they just looked at it as Brick going through some changes and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, at some level, that also made it more fun in the end, because then they oh, look yeah. back and go, I should have known. Uh, but... That's what happened with this group. <laughs> right. Yep. As soon as they realized it, they're just like, uh... Secrets can be a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> Nero famously wrote up a character once uh, for a game who had in her backstory that she had been approached by a demon of some sort and made a possession pact, made a deal for some for some gift, some promise, uh, gave the, the demon permission to, at some point, when the demon felt it was appropriate, necessary... To take over her physical body and use it for some nefarious end, right? Okay. That's she cool. was a desperate, angry, young barbarian, you know. Um, and so she, so the the best part is the this was part of her backstory, and the campaign starts with her character waking up in a place and in clothes and shit that she does not recognize, and it's been like <laughs> four years since her last oh, memory. Gosh. And so she spends the entire. So this was Maeve. Rich, I don't know if you guys knew that much about her. I, 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 that, you started saying the character information. I'm like, wait a minute. I know what the hell you're talking yeah. about. And uh, she was just freaked out, desperate not to let anybody figure out what was happening during the campaign, let, let on at all. Because we knew she had a secret. Yeah. And, 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 and the players all knew what was going on. You know, the, we weren't hiding that necessarily. Um, right. But the character. Didn't want anybody to know, and the character didn't know. She didn't know to what extent, whatever had. She didn't know what this person had done with her during this time. She didn't know what she had quote done, you know, that she might be held accountable for. She was desperate to put some distance between her and that situation, and it was freaky. And of course, Nira plays that sort of character very well. (laughs) Yeah, I could see that. She's just really beyond the edge. Um, yeah, Nero's character in our Monday game is particularly fun right now because as this chosen one kind of character, she's both, you know, in control and absolutely has no control <laughs> over her character's, uh, uh, destiny <laughs> from one moment to the next. At least she's finally starting to accept that she is the chosen one. That only took a couple of years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, but this was, again, the point of the campaign, point of the character, point of the campaign. Oh, when, yeah. You know, when we were going to start a game, Nero approached me and said, hey... I would like to do this. And and I think this is interesting because I've had this happen a handful of times in my entire gaming career where players come to me with some sort of character construct that requires elements of the campaign to be built around it to make it really shine. Mm-hmm. So this was, I want to create a character who's a reluctant chosen one. I want them to be some sort of chosen character of prophecy, figure of prophecy, um, but that prophecy could be good or bad. She's, she desperately wants to do good things, but she has these evil forces at play inside of her that are rewarding her for doing bad things. And this was the character she wanted to play. And like Joe just indicated the last, cause we've been gaming we've been with this, this group for a couple years now. 
has never really come to terms with it. She's just started to accept that she really is this person, but she cannot. One of the struggles in it, because it's, oh, I made it consequently a central theme of the campaign, is the question of fate. How much control do you really have over your destiny when it's something huge that you're involved in? And so I, you know, she struggles with that. Gwen, her character just absolutely is determined that she will not have her fate decided by some old moldy scripture or some bullshit like yeah. that. Or some powers that want to use her like a yo-yo for their own ends. I mean, that's pretty much the biggest theme in that game is fate versus free will. And we managed to expand that to everybody, you know. Yeah. And I like doing that with campaigns. If I'm getting a lot, if I have a lot of freedom to write material um, to work with and the, and the players are going to respond and engage with that, I'll pick a primary, usually in a secondary theme to kind of play up and build uh, constructs around in, in terms mm-hmm. of the plot. And the big one in that game is definitely fate. Um, I can't. The second one really is, but but you know when I when I wrote the plot line, I started with this kind of synopsis of these four main characters in this group. What kind of um, direction? What kind of transformation um, that fate in the situation is going to push on them, mm-hmm. and see how the characters, the PCs, the players, and their characters deal with that. Do they embrace it? Do they accept it? Do they fight it? Do they change it? I'm not forcing anything on anybody. That's not, yeah. you know, that's dirty no. cool. But there's always ways to make it worthwhile, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Joe's character is an interesting hold out there because um, he plays a warlock whose power extends to the teachings of a demigod who is pretty much a campaign villain. Yeah. But she is, she has decided that this is an opportunity. Once she, once she came to terms with what this meant and how she's being pushed and prodded around, I get the impression Yeah, um, that she's decided that she's going to continue to expand and build on her power for the sole purpose of taking his ass down. Yeah. Cause she definitely does not like being controlled less of the overall fate, but like being controlled by a direct person. I mean, that was the issue with that guy who locked the uh, collar around her and took her power that was, doing that. That was a fun sequence. sequence. That was, yeah. Not, oh, and I got to hand it to you, Joe. And, not, a, not every player can handle that kind of shit. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> this, this guy was like, like took all of her control away and was saying how she had choices, even though she didn't. And that was one of those, of those two moments where she's like, well, I have one thing that I can control and that's my own life. And she killed herself right in front of him. Tried to. Shit. You gotta try to, yeah. <laughs> she she tried to suicide right her, her way right out of that shit. We're nope uh, we're noping out of this one right now. Um, yeah, so knowing that she's being controlled by this god yeah, basically. It, it literally it was this it was this order of kind of warlocks who used this training tool to help push their power. You know, yeah. to help rapid development by having a more potent warlock of their order be able to literally take control of your power from you. And basically, it's like, imagine having the power, the ability to, you're being forced to handle magic that you're not ready for. But because you're being forced to handle it, and you don't have any control over that, you're you're going through the fire. It's trial by fire. You are learning it as you go. So it's a way of, of pushing that. But the tool, the consequence is the tool's primary purpose, notwithstanding the primary effect, is that you no longer have control of your magic. Right. So when Vincarn had this iron collar slapped on her, she could no longer make any choices regarding her magic. And to prove that, the 
controlling warlock in question, who she seems to have a real hate on for. Go oh, figure. yeah. She does not. Oh, when I saw him at that uh, <laughs> that party, party, yeah. And I wanted to, I have my, oh, I still I have that, to that work collar. Out so bad. I know. She kept the I'm, collar and she was like sneaking up on him, wanting awesome. to clap it on his I neck. Was, and the rolls <laughs> were just not in her, not in her favor. Yeah. Every roll I did was like a crit fail or a two. I kept and trying to come work. up with ways for her to get away with it. Just like, you know. Oh, that yeah. would be awesome. Oh, that stinks. As a huge wheel of time the fan, I'm, I, I, I support this. Yeah. I still have That's that awesome. collar though. But yeah, um, he uh, he abused. You know, he he really showed showed her what he was capable of doing and how powerless she was to stop it or affect it. And uh, again, I knew that Joe would enjoy this challenge oh, yeah. and this experience mm-hmm. and the story. There are some players that would not do that too, right? You know, because it would feel like some sort of betrayal of their agency. Yeah. But, but I was never taking away Vincaran's ability to decide for herself, and she fucking proved that. <laughs> right. <laughs> with a knife to her own throat. <laughs> we seem to have a lot Fair. of that going around with that group. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. yeah. It, it showed that she still had a choice. But um, that's also a very tricky party. That's um, they have they have some they often have their own agendas. They don't often care whether or not they're in concert. Right. But ultimately, I think it's less that they're focused on the same goals and more that they feel like they're in this together. Yeah. It's that sense of all this is happening to us collectively. And our best way to combat this and take control of our own lives is going to be to take responsibility for it. And maybe maybe you do fulfill prophecies. Maybe you do walk that direction. But it'll be a choice you make. Right. Not one that's made for you. Or will it? I mean, that's kind of the question, right? Is that the same thing? You know, there was one old wise Crazy. man who told Gwen that he he that his interpretation of the prophecy was that these are just the things that are going to happen because they are the things that are best for everybody. Right. The, the direction you're going to go because it's going to make the most sense to you. You're going to decide these things. Doesn't mean you have to. Yeah. You know, Gwen likes that interpretation. <laughs> right. But right. that's the other thing I do a lot is misinformation. Uh, with NPCs particularly, different opinions oh, about yeah. things, different interpretations of things. I'm dealing prophecy, so I've got this massive prophecy going on all la wheel of time, right? Prophecy mm-hmm. of the dragon kind of shit. And so oh, you got fun. this you got this uh, story unfolding where all these different people know about this prophecy, but a lot of these learned people or people that have learned it from different era, different sources mm-hmm. have different interpretations of what that means. Right. Some that in the very similar to the Randall Thor, some of them that she's going to save the world, some that she's going to destroy the world, some that she's going to do both. You know, can't deny there's Yikes. going to be some change into the world going on, right? Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, that means that information that she or the party gleans about these prophecies and everybody's tied up in it. It isn't just her. Everybody's gotten sucked up into it, right? And they all have their roles and they've all had their roles kind of spelled out to them in interesting, <laughs> if not yeah. decisive ways. And uh, it's it's very interesting to see how the player characters engage with that. You know, I, I like um, having NPCs who have different opinions about stuff. Because if you are a game master who only ever really tells the truth to your NPCs, then your PCs are always just going to take what you say at face value. Whoever it right. is you're there's playing. There's no fun in that. There's no, <laughs> there's no realism in that. Break. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, you, we know we can trust it because... The DM said it. <laughs> like, 
Right. No, no. The character said it, and you can't trust them. <laughs> it's like often determining whether or not you can trust somebody in my game has zero zip zilch to do with whether or not you make a great die roll. You may get to yeah. make some die rolls. <laughs> I mean, how often, honestly, do we at, like do perception? Not in, uh, perception, insight. Insight. Checks. Right. We never do. It's just most of the time on, it's something you're going to ask for, or if, if not ask for outright, going to say something or indicate something that makes it clear that that's the best way to handle it. And mm-hmm. I'll go, okay, go ahead and make an insight check. But um, even that you know, rarely happens because we just based on how everyone, because it's just roll, such roll, an immersive roll role play that you get the vibe of what this NPC is like and what they're saying. And you don't need to make the insight. You know, if you trust them or not. So Joe, do you ever feel like odd man out because you don't do weird voices because everybody else at that table? I know I'm just, and I don't even know. If, I, I don't even know if Alicia's the kind of person that does that a lot, but because she was playing this goblin, he's definitely got a voice. Yes. <laughs> and it is grating. She, <laughs> she really likes to do voices. I, I've tried. I'm, Never, I, don't, I can never, never your keep zone. it. I can, yeah. yeah, it's just not something I'm comfortable with. I, I slip in and out when I'm trying to do them. So I find it just more, almost more immersive to not because it, otherwise it's like I'm in and out and in and out and it just doesn't I work. I get the feel, man. I've tried yeah. voices. It just doesn't work yeah, for me. Yeah, Vanessa didn't do it a lot either. Uh, Nira is mine and Jonica's daughter. She's was right. definitely going to be one of those people. As a role player, <laughs> she sees that as part of it. And Gwen, much like um, like Richard, Vanessa, you guys game with Nira in the, the uh, Tuesday night game, mm-hmm. where she's yeah. playing the character with a very Irish kind of accent. Yeah. And, you know, very strong and very consistent and very much a part of Octavia's character. Mm-hmm. Gwen's the same way, more of a gutter English kind of, wouldn't you say? It's yeah. very strong and very, I mean, to the point where it's like, there's going to be people that she talks to who go, what did you just say? Yeah. And that happens with NBC sometimes. It happens with some of the player characters. We're like, wait, what? Yeah. And some of the best moments come from that, too. Just like with um, with any of her characters, like with Gwen, one of the best lines was when she was, somebody was going to was telling her I was going to be. And she beat that person down and said, I do what I want, bitch. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that That's became awesome. It became the line. Uh, Jonica has, um, she was, her character is from a celestial realm. She is a, um, as, Asmar, I think, or a half celestial, yeah. I don't remember which, but I think an Asmar, cause that's what we had stats for. It was like, that's simple enough. Um, she has a, a grandmother who has a straight up deity, you know, lesser deed or something like whatever. Mm-hmm. Nissa is from this celestial realm. So right from the get go, and this happened to coincide with the fact that we were at one time looking at possibly moving to Italy. And Jonica was working on learning Italian. So she had spent a lot of time speaking Italian and speaking with an Italian accent. And so she was like, oh, this was all way too appropriate. Nissa is a celestial cleric. And so that's got that very Vatican kind of flavor. She yeah. uses, she drops a lot of Italian words into her conversation. She says, you know, she says see si instead of yes. You know, she drops a lot of uh, those, those words in there and she speaks with that accent and it is constant. Yeah, and, and she also does yeah. the like, like she'll go and like how you say, how trying you to say, like, yeah, th- like she's trying to find the right word. Yeah, yeah. Jonica's just really on top of that stuff, and it's it's presentation, of course. It's all about presentation, but it also as a player, you know, makes you feel more like you're inhabiting the character if it's something you do, you know, if it's right. something that that works right. for you. Um, I I I just find it interesting that you know we have four PCs in that game, and Joe's the odd man out there. I am. But 
there's never any question. Vinkaran's voice is still pretty strong. Yeah. You know, uh, everybody talks in character a lot. That makes a big difference. Right. Yeah, uh, because it would, when it's when it's more the exception than the rule that somebody's talking out of character, then it's... I say, it is it's it is very rare. And I find myself, like, the few times that I'm out of character, I'll be like, me, Joe, wants to know this. Right. <laughs> well, I use voices a lot as a game master because it helps differentiate when you have whole fucking hordes of NPCs hanging around. That's right. true. Who am I, that I, is just, true. I still get the question, so who is it that said that? Like, oh, can't, I'm saying, can't you tell, motherfucker? Um, you know, so I'm working on that, but yeah, it's, it's all in fun. Oh yeah. So, uh, I watched Smosh on YouTube and they actually just started a campaign. So they're, uh, they're starting to run uh, a story and they're a bunch of mostly improv type people. And, uh, the thing I appreciate with this is like the shows are only like an hour long and not four hours. Cause I don't have four hours to sit and watch a show. Right. Oh, here it is. is. Yeah. But, um, I was watching an interview with uh, Damien because Damien Haas is running the game and I am a huge fan. And um, he was talking about how they were trying to coordinate how they were going to time out the combat with the timing of the thing and with what the characters were doing. And he's like, we ended up coming to the determination that we wanted to focus on. We, we definitely want to allow more time to focus on the characters and the character interactions between each other because that was more of what the story was mm-hmm. than the dice and the combat. And you've got people, I mean, it's on their games channel, but you got people there that aren't great at games, but they're great at improv. And so they're all doing great characters. They've done one episode on their Sword AF series, and I'm, I'm excited for that. Make sure you shoot me a link. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. I can do that. I can do that. Um, and one thing I, I want to talk, um, may, hopefully you will have a chance to try your, get into your game a little bit, Richard, before the next time we get on the mics. Um, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> talk a little bit to, to what you got going on, because anybody that doesn't know, Richard's idea of running games is let me make a new game real quick, you know. Right. Um, and then he writes I, a 40-page handbook. and website. <laughs> there, just has a website. Websites, yeah. I built. I not only built a website, all right, but I've got my I've got my elevator pitch on a page, and then I've got the website where I can build up a wiki with information on the world as we're exploring it because this is an investigation, so information is important. And then um, I created a section where I can create articles. I went in like yesterday and I wrote an article real quick about something that happened six months ago that leads into what's happening now and nice. describes some of what's going on in the world. Um, and I was able to sit there and backdate that. Plus, I've got player sections. That if you happen to sign in, then you could actually create a journal if you wanted to do a journaling on the website. And then there's a place to do a form to communicate back and forth and stuff like that. So I just put their website real quick because that's something I can do too. And then here I've got all my other stuff going on and I'm kind of excited. I just need players. <laughs> right. We'll get something going on. I want to be able to talk about it. See how it goes. Because a lot of times you go through a lot of this trouble to run a one shot. Like this yeah, is something this, a little more you got in mind. It sounds I've like, definitely so. got a, a, it's an investigation direction game. and additional directions to go after we get past this first part. But because so. wasn't that Survivor Island thing where you basically built the entire was, thing for a one shot? That was a one shot. That was yeah. that that was the mechanism. Yeah, where it was literally designed to be an improv exercise with a little bit of structure, which is fun, but often sometimes doesn't feel like it's monumental because you're not engaging a lot of rules. You're just having fun telling a great story. 
That's um, okay. I, I had people wrong, looking at, at the pre-gens I created, and they're like, wow, this, I just really read this backstory, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot I really created full characters. Sorry about that. You can change whatatever you want. And you're like, no, no. <laughs> I don't want to change anything. No, this is it's good. <laughs> but it's a little dark. No, no, that I'm happens. fine. <laughs> it's okay. This is okay. <laughs> That happens. That's 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 our players too. That's our friends. It's like and it's like, oh no, you gave me something. I will work with this. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes sometimes you want to come up with stuff yourself whole cloth. Sometimes you just want to play, and that's fine. Uh, so yeah, I I thought um, I, I thought that there was uh, a lot of potential in discussion of um, not specifically PvP, but in. <sighs> Character characters that don't necessarily work on the same page and how to handle those. And I think we kind of talked around some of that. Yeah. But ultimately, I think it's also important to note that some things just don't work. Right. And that, oh, yeah. and that that's fine. That you don't have to sabotage your own game. You know, if you have questions about it, get with the players and figure out whether or not as a group you have a way to make it work that everybody likes, including you if you're the game master. Yeah. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, sell yourself yeah. short. I've I've I, known more than a few GMs who you know they put themselves in the role of service to the game, which is a nice break from the old "I am the boss and you guys are the lackeys" approach. Yeah, but by doing that, they'll put, they'll torment themselves to try to come up with shit that works to make everybody else happy. Everybody's got fun. What were you gonna say, Jay? Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, in the end, give it a try. You, it doesn't matter that what we've yeah. been talking about or anything. If it works, great. If it doesn't move on it's it's in the end it's just a game it, you're there so everyone including the dm has fun so if something's working great if it doesn't okay it's not the end right, of the world right. just try to end this try to end it with people walking away going wow that was an interesting story rather than why did we do that yeah <laughs> yeah a little <laughs> less of the why did we do that is always nice <laughs> yeah. what did i just spend my evening doing i am so confused right now um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, and if it, if this works out for you, Rich, maybe you can find a way to adapt it into one shot scenarios for the con. <laughs> <Based> on the <laughs> mm, Just saying, you'll have to hear more about it. <laughs> well, I'm sure I will. <laughs> right. Uh, cool, guys. Well, I appreciate you spending some time with me. I'm gonna try to. I always. I'm gonna jinx it. Always, always say I'm gonna try to get on a more regular schedule. Um. I don't have as many impediments to it at this point. So let's put it that way. Now that we're in full swing on, on tsunami con development, which I do every year, it's not like this is anything new. Um, and, and we are, I, I'm, I'm out of the grid with the schoolwork and stuff. I've just, I've got to deal with, you know, the work situation and it's more expensive living here. So we got to work harder. Yeah, make it work. It's still a big priority for me. Metagamers Anonymous has been around now for 11 years and um, I'm not done yet. Right. There are moments, <laughs> there are times I wake up, have I talked about everything I have to talk about? Uh, and then I have a show like this. I mean, sure, we probably retread a couple of things we've talked about before. Uh, but we hit some new stuff for me. Yeah. I think that's, um, I think that's important. I think if you just have open, honest conversations about ideas, find new ideas and jot them down, you know, make it, make a note of it. It's like, here's, here's a thing that I wonder about, you know, or, or something that a lot of times I'll see, I, I'll troll other conversations to find out. I'm not, I'm not a troll. I mean, I will, I will review other conversations, not to find something specific to talk about because they will give me ideas. 
Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, this has nothing to do with what they're talking about. But that makes me think of, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, and I'm that I'm that guy that my, my family has long since dreaded the comment. Yeah, that, that gives me an idea for a campaign. Because I say that all goddamn time. I can't even tell you how many ideas for campaigns I have. I've yet to ever run a campaign, but I have plenty of ideas for them. You will if you want to. Yeah. My problem is I have a hard time finding players that are actually as excited about the ideas I have as I am. (laughs) Well, and I know that I I make it tough because I run a lot of games and I don't like not running a lot of games. (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes it's it's like... If you really want my schedule, we can talk about it. Yeah. Right. But if you want my schedule, I want a I want a term limit. <laughs> yeah. I want a six month, a nine month, a year campaign, something I can work with that I know I'm gonna get to run some more shit because yeah. that's what I love. But um but I but I like game with you guys, so it's not like it's ever, you know, not an option or something. Um Nira ran some campaign stuff on our regular nights before, and she did an amazing job. Uh, I enjoyed this shit I don't shit know. You would have moved to Colorado. It got harder. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And kind of. I mean, we, we do all gaming online now. You know what? Okay. So here's a funny thing. And then we can go. Um, I, now, I realize that part of this is because last year, my wife and I were in a good place financially. had more disposable income than I usually do. So that was part of it. But... Here I was, moved out of state. All of my gamers are in another city now, except for my family, right? All of you guys live a state away. Right. All of my gaming is online now, except for my occasional house game with my kids. All of my gaming is online. I started spending money on all kinds of tchotchkes that are really, really useful for at-the-table play. (laughs) I don't ever do that. I'm never that guy. I'm going to say it's our fault. You got spoiled playing oh my in God. person. Yes, that's definitely part right. of it. I do have an insane miniature collection that needs to be painted. I mean, and I've got all the shit to do it. We just have to sit down and actually do some painting. Right. But um, also, I mean, like all these different card decks are various things, including all the spell cards and shit. But all like, you know, ideas for this, ways to generate generators and stuff, ways to do random things and put them together. I've always loved that kind of stuff. Now I have ways, you know, and it's always great when you have like some a company that really does great work and puts out a magic item deck and you pull a random magic item or whatever and or not even random necessarily, but then you can just hand the card to the player and they got all the information right. they need. And it just gets, you know, paper clipped to their paper to their character character sheet or dropped in or whatever. I and, and that's if you run with pen and paper, which is actually a little weird sometimes now because like the tools, the online tools are still useful at the table and so much faster. Yeah, yeah. we even experienced that when we were gaming at you know um, Joe and Alicia's there for that last bit, you know that, that year or so when we got back into the campaign in person. And like, I mean, Joe, you used a tablet, didn't you? Keep track yeah, of your character. I- I, I do a weird hybrid. Like, I do all my notes still physically on paper, but my character sheet was on a tablet using D&D Beyond. And you like rolling physical dice, which... And I like real of, dice. That was definitely one of the pleasures of playing at the table again was, like, all the dice yeah. coming out. I, you- I have about <laughs> 2,000 dice in that cabinet right behind me, so I like to pull them out and use them. <laughs> you had to move the dice with you, huh? Yeah. <laughs> had, when, when I ran 10 candles, I was like, I need... Come- Blowing the dark dice. You're like, I got this. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> uh, well, uh, thank you very much for joining us and uh, listen to us rap about nothing important for about an hour there. 
Uh, this is episode number 290 of Metagamers Anonymous. Get on out of here for the week. My name is Eric. I'm Rich. I'm Joe. I'm still Vanessa. And good night, everybody. Bye.